This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Well, if you've ever walked along the beach or a rocky shore and uh, peered and poked and, and wondered at the things that are cast upon it by the waves, a new book out called Beachcombing is the book for you, this guide to the seashores of the Southern Hemisphere. The book's author, Crid Fraser, joins us on the Awesome Morning Show now. Crid uh, Morena, good to have you with us. Thanks for coming in. Morena, Jeff. Thanks for inviting. Uh, beautiful book. Um, let's learn a little bit about you first, though, Crid. You uh, grew up in Australia? That's right. Um, Plenty of wonderful coastline there. <laughs> except that I grew up in Canberra, ah. quite far from the sea. But every year my family would go for several weeks down to the south coast of New South Wales. And so I spent summers sort of poking around in rock pools and browsing on beaches and um, just really developed a deep love for the ocean and the coastline and decided very early on that I was going to be a marine biologist. And that work brought you to Dunedin? Yep, so I started my marine science degree up in Townsville. And, uh, you know, it's a great place to study marine science, but it's really, really hot. And I discovered very quickly that with Scottish ancestry, um, I'm not suited to tropical (laughs) climates. So I lasted only um, a year and a bit there and then ran away down to Sydney, which I found still too hot. Um, So, you know, looking for a PhD, somewhere to start my research career, um, and a lecturer suggested uh, Dunedin, which (laughs) I'd never visited, but climatically it's perfect. Well, perfect why? It's so um, that from a marine science perspective, there's a lot going on in this part of the world. We've got fantastic beaches. Um, we're sort of at the window to the Southern Ocean. Um, Antarctica's not far away. A bunch of subantarctic islands nearby. Um, so scientifically, it's a really great place to study marine science. Um, but also just from from personal perspective, I love this part of the world. It's never too hot, <laughs> um, lots of beautiful scenery, nice people, and, and an easy lifestyle. Now, beachcombing, that means different things to different people. It probably means something different to you than it might mean to me. But, you know, you talked about exploration of rock pools, for example. There'd be few people that wouldn't have very treasured memories of that poking around on the beach, that sense of discovery. Yeah, that's right. I think there's a marine biologist in everyone, actually. There's, we, we all, as far as I can tell, we all love wandering along beaches and rock pools and um, exploring what's in those areas. And um, this book came about because uh, maybe two years ago, the publisher approached me saying, would I like to write a book about seaweeds, which I've worked a lot with. Um, but I felt that there were already some really nice guides to seaweeds available in New Zealand, um, Wendy Nelson's work, for example. Um, so I wasn't convinced, and I didn't really have time to write um, a popular science book with the, you know, the chaos of normal life. And then the day we were going into lockdown... Um, I wandered along Aramoana Beach and there was so much fascinating stuff cast up by the tides. Um, And so I wrote to the publisher the day we went into lockdown and said, how about a book about weird things that wash up on beaches Mm. instead? And and they um, straight away said yes. Um, So that's what I spent chunks of lockdown doing um, when it was difficult to concentrate on what I think of as sort of my normal (laughs) real work. Um, And I had a sort of a small kid leaping around in the background and the world was in chaos. It was it was nice to step away from all that through reminiscing and exploring beaches um, by writing this book. Well, of course, there's the there's the, the this sheer novelty of what you might discover when something washes up on the beach and you find it. But 
you will have been taking the, a more scientific approach to the to the book. I mean, or or have you not? How how would you describe and this book and who is it for? I think this book it it is scientifically grounded, um, but it's really for anyone. Um, it's for people who want to know a little bit more about things they might find on the beach. So there's a lot of marine biology there, just interesting snippets, what barnacles are, um, you know, the the fact that barnacles have uh, the longest penis proportional to body size of any animal in the world. I did not know that. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, they're stuck on a rock, they've got to meet their one true love somehow. Um, So interesting things about the lifestyles of organisms that live in the coastal region and might die and wash up on beaches or be living on beaches, but also the the less living things, the bits of plastic and how they end up on beaches, why we often only find the left shoe or the right shoe because the winds push different shapes in different directions out at sea, Um, why we'll sometimes have a massive dump of tiny crustaceans like amphipods, millions and millions dying on the beach all at once. Um, What are those strange, round, salpy things that wash up with parasites in them? Those sorts of things. So it's not about identifying species. It's more about what sort of thing is this and what can it tell us about the ocean? Yeah, so does it also explain the commonalities and the differences between the beaches in this part of the world um, and the, the patterns of movement of water and so forth? Absolutely. So this, we've called it a guide to seashores of the Southern Hemisphere. It's not written for Otago only, although a lot of it, the photos are from Otago region because that's where it was written. Um, But it's about all the Southern Hemisphere coastlines and how those are connected, the ocean currents that pull things from one coastline to another, um, the similarities in different species that you might find in different parts of the Southern Hemisphere. And, uh, you know, this, the, it starts with a discussion of ocean dynamics, the tides, the currents, um, what pushes things onto beaches, why, when and how. Promise me that the research for this book pretty much involved you kicking your shoes off and slowly walking along plenty of beaches. <laughs> well, it would have been if it wasn't lockdown <laughs> when, oh, yes. when I wrote the book. But it, it, it involved me doing that in my head. And, of course, it's something that I do always anyway. So before lockdown and after lockdown, um, there was... Um, it's it's my, one of my favourite things to do is just kicking my shoes off and wandering along beaches. Um, and so I did have a lot of photos um, on hand from doing that in the past. And I put the call out through social media to friends. Does anyone have any interesting photos of interesting things that have washed up on beaches? Um, I met some really interesting people that way, uh, people who regularly look for ambergris or find bits of rocket parts washed up on beaches, those sorts of things. Speaking of ambergris, ever discovered any yourself? I haven't, no, but I confess I haven't really looked as hard as I should. But ambergris is a really interesting one. Um, Back in the day, finding a lump of ambergris could really change your life. A lump of ambergris could buy you a house, (laughs) hundreds of thousands of dollars in a good lump. But these days, um, about 10 to 15 years ago, they figured out how to make a fake version of ambergris. And so it's not not quite as valuable as it used to be, but it still would get you a few tens of thousands if you found the right lump. I imagine you couldn't write a book like this, Cred, without acknowledging um, the concerns we have about our oceans and what's what's in them and what we're doing to them. 
It, there is a discussion of um, how the oceans are changing, um, particularly in the context of pollution and climate change. So plastics going into the ocean is a phenomenal amount of plastic out at sea, and it tends to accumulate in in um, sort of islands. We talk about plastic islands um, in the Pacific, but they're in all the oceans. And then it just takes a big storm to cast them up on the beaches. And um, something interesting that I've noticed anecdotally about that is that we tend to point the finger at other countries and say, oh, look at all this plastic on the ocean. It must have come from the neighbouring country that it's, it wouldn't be us. But actually, if you look closely at the labels on those drink bottles <laughs> or the chip packets that you're finding, it often is um, a more local origin. And so we're, we're all responsible for looking after our, our oceans and making sure we're not just using them as a garbage bin. Um, that stuff is terrible for ocean creatures. Um, you find turtles and whales with their stomachs absolutely chock full of plastic bags, for example. And... Um, and it doesn't degrade very quickly in most cases. And then, of course, climate change is, is having a big impact on our oceans. Oceans are rising. Um, that's going to change the shape of beaches. Uh, a lot of us live uh, close to the sea. So there's going to be a massive shift in where we can live and what we can access in the near future. Whatever you might consider a treasure um, would, I guess, depend on, on who you are, what stage in life you're at. You know, children will be fascinated by like small creatures, for example, or, or a wonderful shell. What do you get excited about? What what sparks your interest in particular? What would you still like to discover? I think for me, I'm probably still at the child stage. It's the weird animals that wash up on beaches that make me most excited. So things like glaucus, which is this beautiful iridescent blue nudibranch, so a sea slug, and it um, moves around at the surface of the ocean and it's a predator and it's looking for blue bottles, you know, those, those sort of gas-filled um, stinging jellyfish that, that drift around at the surface and wash up on beaches sometimes. And when it finds them, great, it, it loves eating them. But it, when you see it washed up on the beach, it's the most beautiful, beautiful thing with sort of... Um, blue frilly fingers almost um, which are filled with stinging cells that it's captured from its prey um, I, I also walking along Allen's Beach last year came across these tiny salps um, about the size of a two dollar coin I suppose and they're little tunicates clear uh, barrel shaped organisms and they get parasitized by an amphipod called Phronema which looks just like the queen from Alien in fact some people say this amphipod was the inspiration for the queen in the movie Alien and this amphipod takes over the body of the salp and hollows it out and uses it as a home and just swims around inside that salp um, for the rest of its life and the well, salp's kind of not quite dead. Well there's my nightmare <laughs> sorted for the weekend thank you very much. Um, look some fantastic stunning images in this book Crid, and you know one in particular uh, is the photo of Jack Alplin with the giant squid which was found on a New Zealand beach. Less common but what a discovery. Yeah, it must be amazing. I'd love to find a giant squid washed up. That photo, it's missing the eyes. I guess something had eaten the eyes already, but the eyes of a giant squid can be the size of a dinner plate. Mm. These things are enormous. And um, th thanks to um, Dan Aplin and the Aplin brothers for letting me use that photo in the book. It was quite hard to find a photo of a giant squid washed up on a beach because they are so rare. Um, but this was one that washed up in New Zealand. I found it in... Um, online news articles and found the authors through Facebook. <laughs> it 
the, the guys who'd found it and found them on Facebook and asked if I could use the photo in the book. An equally wonderful creature, not quite as big, but the sunfish that we do get, we just see a little bit more commonly here. Sunfish are awesome, aren't they? They're strangest looking fish with a sort of stumpy, long tail, uh, sort of lengthwise. And, and they'd, they're quite slow swimmers normally, um, but they can grow up to 2,000 kilograms, which is phenomenal. I can see this book uh, in every Kiwi batch by the sea, right? I mean, it's, you know, you go for those walks, you pick things up, the kids might come home and, and then want to learn more about what is this thing they've picked up. I think that's how I saw it when I was writing it. It's, it's not supposed to be a comprehensive scientific overview of everything in the ocean, but it's for browsing and for picking up and putting down and for keeping in your glove box or on your coffee table at your batch um, and just sort of leafing through when you've seen something weird and you want to know more about it or so that you can go to the beach a little better informed. It's called Beachcombing, a guide to seashores of the Southern Hemisphere. Crid Fraser, where can we find it? Uh, do you know, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, it's being distributed to uh, bookshops around New Zealand. Um, you can certainly um, get hold of it online. I, I actually bought a copy myself oh, <laughs> yesterday. I do get a few free copies, but um, for somebody in Australia who'd contributed some photos, I bought one from the Australian um, publisher. So it is available online, and it's available, I think, in most good bookshops. And, of course, through Otago University Press. Mm -hmm. We do thank them for um, the assistance they've given you to put this wonderful book out and for sharing it with uh, with all of us. And thanks for sharing your time with us this morning, Crud. Um, what's the next project? Oh, I don't know. I was thinking about writing a book called Sex in the Sea because there's so many interesting different ways that animals um, do that in the ocean. But it turns out somebody's beat me to it. Oh. So <laughs> I have to think of another one. Um, well, we look forward to that. Thanks so much for taking your time to join us on the Awesome Morning Show. Thanks very much, Jeff. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.